Hey guys, welcome back to the Bible Podcast with Hunter Davis. Today we'll be in Matthew chapter 8, and we'll begin with Jesus healing a man with leprosy. Verse 1, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So, this was an opportunity for Jesus to show how he viewed the law. The lepers coming to Jesus was in itself a violation of the law of Moses, since the lepers were considered unclean. So this is a moment for, basically for Jesus to show how he viewed the law. Continuing verse 3. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So this is a, a really touching moment because Jesus reached out and touched the leper, healing him immediately. Because the law forbade touching a leper, this gesture proved at least as shocking as the leper's original approach and request. But Jesus touched but Jesus' touch makes clean what is unclean. It's interesting to note that Jesus sent the man to the priest in accordance with the requirements of Leviticus 14.1-32. So Jesus honors the law of Moses and teaches others to do so, but gives a glimpse in this healing of what it means to fulfill the law. So under the Levitical law, lepers were shamed, or rather shunned from society, and they would have to walk around yelling, unclean, unclean, when, when someone came around them. Leprosy was a disease that could spread on contact, so this man probably hadn't been touched in years. The Greek word for touched here in verse 3 is translated over as hepsado, which means to cling to. That means that Jesus didn't just touch this man, he clung to him. And that's the love of God. This man hadn't been touched in who knows how long, and God gave him a hug. It is very beautiful. One of my favorite moments in the entire Bible, or in the Gospels, barring the death and resurrection, it's one of the greatest moments showing the heart of God. This unclean man came kneeling before Jesus, desperate, and Jesus reaching out and clinging to him and and saying he was willing to make him clean. And, And the man became clean. Jesus did not become unclean along with the man, because as soon as he touched the man, the other man, the, the leper, became clean immediately. Therefore, Jesus was not made unclean. Continue in verse 5. The faith of the centurion. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. So this man is saying, basically, that just say the word, and his servant will be healed. That's basically what this man is saying. He's saying that just as I tell the people under me to go and they go I just give the word and it's done he's saying he's basically telling Jesus that's all, that's all he he believes that's all Jesus has to do is just say the word and his, and his servant won't be paralyzed anymore 10 in verse 10 
When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from east and the west, and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done, just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. So Jesus is basically saying that the faith of the centurion exceeded the faith he even found amongst God's own people, the Jews. And as a response to the to the centurion's faith, he he basically he not he literally granted the centurion's request at that very moment. Continuing in verse fourteen, Jesus heals many. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. So when Jesus visited Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law was lying there in bed with a fever. She might have had malaria, for all we know. And Jesus healed the woman by touching her hand. Her fever left, and her strength returned immediately. She began serving Jesus, who was a guest in the house. So this may seem like a small miracle, but it highlights three very important points. First point, it shows Jesus healing a woman. Second point, this healing was done was, a, was done privately. And third point, it shows that a person who has been touched by Jesus, whether physically or spiritually, will want to serve him. Continuing verse 16. When evening came, many who were demon possessed brought to him, and he drove out the spirits. What they were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word, and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken to the prophet Isaiah. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases. You can find that prophecy in Isaiah 53:4. So, what can these three miracles tell us? From the centurion to the leper to the healing of Peter's mother it shows us that it shows us Jesus' willingness to become unclean in order to make others clean he wasn't concerned with his own well-being he was more concerned with our well-being pick up in verse 18 the cost of following Jesus when Jesus saw the crowd around him he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake then a teacher of the law came to him and said Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. This scribe was overly eager to become a disciple, assuring Jesus that he would follow him anywhere he might go. But Jesus recognized that in his confident enthusiasm, this scribe had failed to grasp what following Jesus might involve. In Jesus' response to the scribe, he refers to himself as the Son of Man, saying that, basically that it's not going to be easy easy road by replying that foxes have dens and birds have nests but the son of man has no place to lay his head he's basically saying this that it's not easy to follow him it's basically hard to follow jesus that jesus doesn't even have a place to lay his own head we pick up in verse 21 another, another disciple said to him lord first let me go and bury my father but Jesus told him, follow me, and let the dead bury their own dead. So whereas the scribe was overly eager, this man was hesitant. 
He wanted to follow Jesus, but only after he had taken care of his other obligations. He was not ready to follow Jesus, as other priorities came before discipleship. And Jesus, was, when he said, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead, that means to let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. This is all teaching us that discipleship involves commitment and sacrifice. So those who want to be disciples, they need to count the cost. Verse 23, Jesus calms the storm. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Jesus slept right through this storm, knowing and trusting in the presence of God. He was totally confident and at peace. You know, it's crazy to me that the disciples were on board with a man who had done many, many miracles. You would think that they would be calm during this storm also. Maybe I wouldn't have been that way. Maybe I would have. I don't know. But I've always wondered that. Why weren't the disciples confident knowing that this man Jesus doing all these amazing things that he had been doing up to this point they were afraid of a little storm so Jesus calms this storm and it demonstrates his power over the destructive forces of nature which were under the devil's sway such a person as that is worthy of worship verse 28 Jesus restores two demon possessed men when he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, If you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town, and reported all of this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Notice how these demons recognized Jesus and his power to destroy them. When they realized that Jesus intended to cast him out, they asked to be sent into a herd of pigs. These swine like tombs, were considered sources of defilement according to the law of Moses. So Jesus agreed to their request. When the demons entered the pigs, the entire herd rushed down the steep bank and, and drowned in the Sea of Galilee. So this demonstrated Jesus' authority over the forces of evil. And these town people were more concerned with their financial loss through the pigs than about the miracle displayed in the demon-possessed men. That, you'll experience that in life. Some people are more concerned with material gain than seeing miracles done, seeing people restored. They'd rather people be destroyed and them gain money than someone to be restored and them lose money. So we learn a lot from this chapter, actually. I mean, right here, we, we learn that Jesus has authority over the powers of evil. I mean, 
yeah, that's... And he lives in us, so we have that too. We have authority over the powers of evil. Let's go back to the beginning. Jesus healing a man with leprosy. Jesus was... He was more than willing to become unclean to heal this man. He he stepped down and, and gave this man a hug and healed him immediately because he was willing. God is always willing. You come to him and say, Lord, make me clean. Please make me clean, Lord. Remember that he is always willing. He told the centurion, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately, the leper was cleansed. And you too cry out to God, and you will be immediately cleansed. For whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We learn from the faith of the centurion that when we ask things from God, that we just should believe. Just have faith. Know that it will come to pass. Ask, seek, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. We have to ask these things and have faith that they will come to pass. From when Jesus healed Peter's mother, we learned that God is not only willing to heal men, it's women also. That sometimes He does it in private, sometimes it's, it's to show other people. But we learn that anyone that comes in contact with God who is touched by Him, healed by Him, whether spiritually or physically, that they are willing to serve God at that point. We learn that it's not easy to follow Jesus. In this life, you will have trials and tribulations. Jesus never promised we'd have a, a, a completely happy life. He did promise trials and tribulations. So we should not give up on that, though. We should trust God through it, for that when we are persecuted because of what we believe, we will be rewarded one day when we get into heaven. And then we learn that discipleship is the most important thing over overall. That discipleship involves commitment and sacrifice. And that before you become a disciple, you need to count the cost. Are you willing to lay down everything you have for the cause of Christ? We learn that Jesus sometimes will, he will, he wants us to rest peacefully through our storms, knowing that God is there with us have faith that through this storm it is okay and that Jesus has control over the, the elements of the air we learn that sometimes in life people don't care about someone getting better they care about their personal gain we learn that Jesus has control over the demonic forces and like I said a while ago if Christ is in us and we also have control over demonic forces and the elements of the air. All we need is a little faith. Because faith the size of a mustard seed can move a whole mountain. 
Well, guys, I hope y'all got a lot out of that. Um, we'll pick back up on Monday in Chapter 9. And I hope you guys enjoy your weekend. Good night. <laughs>